Hello, this is Bill Lytell again. Uh, wisdom for your walk. Senior pastor, Gospel Baptist Church. Uh, I've been meditating and, and lately have uh, been burdened for people who I meet and counsel with and watch that are just don't have, they just don't have enthusiasm for God. They just, everything they do for God is kind of on a one to ten, it's running about a five. And they struggle because they'll come to me and say, Preacher, I just don't have the umpapa you have. I just don't have the, the burning desire to do what you do and be active as you are. And, and um, I just don't. I just don't. Preacher, I just don't seem like I have it. I just, uh, you know, I, and they, you know, they're the kind of people that come to church. Uh, maybe they'll come Sunday, mo Sunday morning, Sunday night, and then maybe skip a Sunday night, maybe skip a Sunday morning, maybe skip a Wednesday night, maybe not come at all on Wednesday night. And They're in the church. They're born again. Uh, in, in a degree, they love Jesus. They may tithe. They may or may not tithe. But they just never seem to put their hand to it 100%. Why? Why is that? What, what's, what's, what's the problem? Well, let, me, let me read Luke chapter 7 and verse 41 down away there, and we're going we're gonna to deal with what the problem is. There was a certain, Jesus' words, by the way, there was a certain creditor who had two debtors, the one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. And tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said, un, and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house, and thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she hath washed my feet with her tears, and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman since the time I came in had not, had not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, and here's the principle, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. The problem I find with the lackluster, possibly lukewarm group that is found in every church, in every grouping of born-again Christians, is that somehow or another, they feel they have not been forgiven much. They do not feel like they have, like this woman whose sins were many were forgiven. And so consequently, their love is in proportion to that. They feel like they've been forgiven some, so they have some enthusiasm for the things of God, some sacrifice for the things of God. It's not that they don't feel they have been forgiven some, but they do not believe they've been forgiven much, and that everything they have is because Jesus Christ died for them, was buried and rose again the third day, and they now, instead of a place in hell, they have a place in heaven. Instead of a place of torment, they look for a place of peace 
and joy. Instead of a place of total darkness, they're going to look to a place of light, unending light, where there is no night. And you could go on and on with that comparison. And so I've, I've, I've observed Christian uh, people get saved out of the world and born again, first-generational people, and they, they, they believe they've been forgiven much. Man, they've been in the world. They know that any time they could have died lost, and they, they, they love much. They're Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, read their Bible, tithe, uh, Sunday school, wanna, bus ministry, they're all over it. You, you gotta, you gotta hold them back. You gotta tell them, hey, look, you're doing too much. You gotta, you're gonna, you gotta, you gotta back off a little. Uh, they're, they're for the local church. They don't get offended off. Nobody's gonna offend them off. Nobody's gonna do something to them to make them offended. They're in and in all the way. And then they have children, and their children come to Sunday school, of course, because mom and dad are all in. There's Monday, there's Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Wana, Friday night, whatever. They're all over it. The kids are basically forced to go. It's part of their deal. And the kids, however, grow up without having experienced the wicked sins, the overt wicked sins that mom and dad lived in for however many years. And so the kid, maybe at five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, gets realizes he's a sinner. All of sin comes short of the glory of God, and they realize they have some some sins. So they ask God to forgive them, save them, and I believe they do get saved. Second generational Christian, but they don't think they got saved, if I may say it this way, as much as mom and dad got saved. I mean, you realize that's bad theology. You realize you get saved or you don't get saved. But they, in their mind and in their recognition and cognizance, they do not understand how much they've really been saved. Now, how much they've been forgiven. They've been forgiven really just as much as mom and dad. A Christian child raised in a Christian home has sinned, maybe hasn't gone out and gotten drunk, he hasn't, he hasn't maybe sworn a lot, he hasn't done drugs, he hasn't committed immorality to a bunch of different people. He hasn't, and just you go down the list, you know, hasn't committed those things that maybe mom and dad did. But has he not sinned in many other ways that are just as damning, just as, just as, uh, just as surely send you to hell? I mean, has he not thought evil thoughts and lied and stolen and cheated and had malignancy and spoke bad about his his brother, sister, mom, and dad, dishonored his mom and dad, uh, maybe used the Lord's name in vain, and you can go on and on with that list. These are Christian kids' sins at home. But now when you think about it theologically, uh, the sin that that second-generation person did will send them to a fiery hell if they don't get saved. So when they get saved, you, what you what must happen what, must, what needs to happen is that those second-generation Christians need to have real clearly taught to them that their sin is just as vile, just as dark, just as wicked as the first-generational parents of them. In essence, their sin would have sent them to a devil's hell, and they would have suffered there forever and ever had they not gotten saved. Now, for that, you should be grateful uh, a hundredfold, in other words, 
You should be on fire for God. The second generation, I'm a second generation Christian. My mom and dad were saved out of the world, 33 years old. They, he went to World War II, Saipan, Tinian, Okinawa, never got touched. Could have been killed at any time, lost. He came back after the war, finally moved by a little Baptist church, got saved. My mom got saved. Both of them used to smoke, drink, go dance, and stuff like that. You know, they were just average people, owned a business. They got born again, but they were always deeply grateful for the salvation that God gave them. Me, as a second generation, uh, I went through some of the struggle I'm talking about, but realized by the time I was 18, when I got right with God, and I got saved early, but when I got right with God at 18 years old, realized in full circumference that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ had been shed abroad in my heart every bit as much as my mom and dad. In other words, I hadn't been forgiven 50 pence, uh, or the 500 pence, excuse me. I had been given that big amount. I'd been forgiven that big amount. My mind did not go. I'd been given, forgiven this little smaller amount, 10% of that, 50 pence. I'd been forgiven the 500. So consequently, my life reflected that I loved much because there's a principle here. If you believe you've been forgiven little, you're going to have little enthusiasm. If you've been forgiven, you if you believe you've been forgiven a lot, you're going to have a lot of enthusiasm. So it's just a decision. And I tell these second generation, even third generation Christians, my grandchildren, for example, who, who can struggle with this deal of half-heartedness and come see, come saw, you know, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, and oh yeah, I go to church once in a while. No, no, I want my grandchildren to be every bit as zealous as my mom and dad and I, and I am. Why? Because they've been forgiven in reality just as much as I have been forgiven. They've been saved from a devil's hell just as much as I've been saved from a devil's hell. And they, if they would just shake themselves and, and get, get with God on this and, and ask him and to reveal it to them they, like they did me, you would realize that you should, man, I'm forever indebted. I'm a debtor for Christ. I'm a debtor. And, I, and I'm given, I laid my life down. Every potential that my life represents, I laid it down on the altar and said, God, use this for your glory and your kingdom by your grace. Now, surely I haven't been perfect, and surely some of that I fell back on. And everybody has regrets about that. But overall, I put my hand to the plow. 68 years old now. So from 18 to 68. So how about you? How about you? Are you zealous for the things of God? Or are you, have you lost your zeal? You may one time had a great zeal when you realized you've been forgiven much. It was, the salvation was fresh. But it had gotten, it's gotten stale. It's gotten old. It's gotten, you know... Same old, same old, and you've lost it. Brother, get out on your face before God, shut the bedroom door, and stay in there till, you re till God lets you realize how much you've been forgiven. And like that old woman who washed Jesus' feet with her tears and poured, poured ointment on it, you'll love much. There will be no, hum no job that's too humble for you. No job in the local church too little for you. Everything you get to do for God will be a privilege. You don't have to give. You get to give. You don't have to live you get to live. You don't have to show up. You get to show up. And you will be an asset to the local church and the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit to reach the world for Christ. And that's the kind of Christian that people look at and say, I want to be like that. They don't want to be like that half-hearted Christian who thinks he's been forgiven a little. See, he's wrong on that. But you don't want to be like that. That's not the person who attracts folks to Jesus. And maybe that's why we aren't seeing the people saved like we used to because 
We don't have the testimony we used to as a group uh, because of too many people that believe they've just been forgiven little. Well, I hope this helps you some. Wisdom for your walk. Bill Lytell, and may God bless you the rest of your day.